Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is on the air. Never send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for thee. Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum is a call to arms for those American patriots who, in the tradition of our founding fathers, will stand up now to defend the Constitution and the liberties that it guarantees to each citizen, to each of us. That is our mission, to explain in a clear and concise manner the direct effect of each issue on the individual, on you personally not some anonymous being in a distant place, and to define in no uncertain terms the consequences of inaction. Let the battle begin. Charlie White and Ron Vrooman, welcome as guests on Freedom Forum Radio. Thank you for having us. So let let me ask another question here. So I understand the concept of a grand jury, uh, and in actuality, uh, prosecutors were not supposed to be part of grand juries. It was supposed to be the grand jury itself, which uh, heard evidence and then went to the prosecutor and said, you know, we need you to take care of this because we have found reason for you to go ahead and do that. I understand that. So then... You did that. You did that in Oregon. You had a grand jury, and you came up with a a list of people who you indicted for a variety of whatever you want to call them, maybe crimes or malfeasances or whatever you call them. So then you went to an Article Three court, and I really want you to explain better what is an Article Three court? What makes that different? from the court system that we currently have. It's stated in the Constitution. Uh, What we now have are courts that are called Article I courts that are made up by Congress or appointed by the the, uh, president, or somehow they are staffed with judges and clerks and they find buildings to hold them in. Those are Article I courts, and those are for the business of the United States of Washington, District of Columbia, and its forts, ports, and needful buildings scattered around the various several states. That's what that's for. Then you read on further, and it says Article Three court. Boy, did they load that up. For me to deal with the Article Three court, I take a pencil and a fresh Article Three, and I say, what am I looking for? Anything that is not what I'm looking for, I'm going to mark off. So if you look in there and you say, well, I'm not an admiral, so I'm not an ambassador, and I'm not this, and I'm not that, pretty soon you find out that an Article Three court is the only court where a man body, mind, spirit, flesh, blood, soul, can take the state to court for remedy. Bingo. It's right there. 
And it's stated in the Constitution, it's one with a small O, supreme with a small S, court, capital C. That is the de jure common law court with Article 7, with Amendment 7, so that we have common law de jure court, one supreme court, court of the people. So what is the what is the place then of non-federal courts? In other words, we have courts in our county, we have courts in the town and things like that. Are they not part of that system? Explain that to me. Take it, boss. Oh. Well, first of all, uh, there's a, a time frame if you go back in history and you look at our original constitution, the, the United States of America's constitution and how it's written. And then there was a gap. And then in approximately 1861, the corporation came in when there was signee die in Congress at the time of Lincoln and Executive Order 100. And all of a sudden, the, the Constitution became admiralty law. It was rewritten. And it ensued in the states, for example, Oregon, and the uh, justices and the judiciary got altered in Oregon in 1910. So that we have an uh, Amendment 7 in our Constitution goes from original to amended. They're both in the Constitution. And we recognized at that point that the judiciary had been changed immensely and the courts were no longer the courts that were initially established by the original Constitution. They are now fiction. I call them fiction jurisdiction. Um, they're basically banks. They are commercial courts. Therefore, making money, raising money uh, off the people. That's the layman's explanation. Charlie White and Ron Vrooman welcome as guests on Freedom Forum Radio. So, so let me so let me go one. You've obviously gone to a subject which I think is important. And that is a lot of things changed in 1861. I firmly believe that our founders gave the, the states really are sovereignty, uh, according to our founders, was basically in the states and the people of the states Correct. Who, got to, who got together and created a federal entity with limited powers, okay, um, which was the creation of the states. It was not a party to the agreement. And when I explain that to people, I say, well, if you look at the Constitution, uh, there are 13 signature blocks. There is not a 14th that says, and for the United States, so-and-so signed. The federal government was very, very much a creation of uh, the states to do certain things which were better done as a group rather than as individual states. And so, and so um, under those under that setup, that's a contract among 13 individual entities. And as part of that, I firmly believe that the founders, and I know the founders believe because they use these options, that any state had 
one of three options if they weren't happy. And that was nullification, interposition, and secession. It's no different than if you join a corporation as a member of the board or stockholder, whatever. You don't like what's going on. You say, sorry, guys, I'm out of here. And you have the right to do that. Or you have the right to say, I don't like what's going on. I want to change some things. Do you agree to change a few things? Everyone gets together and votes on it. And under some procedure, it's either changed or not. But you still have the right to say, not happy, I'm out of here. And so things changed in 1861 because of that very action by South Carolina and the rest of the South. So how do we get from, in your in your assembly and in, and in the things you believe and the things that you have been doing, how do you get from that, constitu- that, that constitutional republic that was given us by the Constitution uh, in the 1790 or so, 89 or, 70, eight or, or 1790? And then what is the change that occurred in 1861 that you are now saying changed our relationship to the federal government. Can I take that one? Please, yeah. March 1861 was sine die. There was no Congress. Congress makes the laws in our Constitution. We no longer had Congress. Now, we lost the perpetual union when South Carolina left the union before Lincoln was ever inaugurated. So. From that time, we were in color of law. We did not have full law because they were operating under a confederation, not a federation, but a confederation and perpetual union. When South Carolina left, which they had every right to do, the remaining states, the remaining 32 states did nothing. They had no law. They had only color of law because they were no longer a quorum as they had agreed to assemble. They had broken it. Now, it had been broken once before. In uh, 1789, they broke the perpetual union when Rhode Island and Providence Plantation said, nah, we're not going back. We don't want any part of that. And they did not show up at at Washington's inauguration in New York. At that same time, Vermont was saying, we are an independent nation. We are not part of New York. We are an independent nation of Vermont. And New York was saying no. And all for 14 years, they had that argument. And eventually, Providence Plantation and uh, Providence... Rhode Island and Providence Plantation came back and repaired the Perpetual Union and returned to original jurisdiction. The The document was not broken. It's okay to break the document, but after you break it, you have to fix it. and You have to go on lawfully. Those guys from Lincoln on did not go on lawfully. If you start reading history, you're going to find out that Lincoln did a whole lot of things, and a whole lot of people did a whole lot of things, and they did them before and after they murdered him, and all that goes on. 
but from March 1861 until right now, on every one of the the 50 states, commonwealths, and territories that go to make up the United States of America, that group right there, that group has to get back together and do it lawfully. We've had color of law federally from the Lieber Code. That was still in effect in 2016. I called just this month and talked to the Army Heritage Society, which they're disbanding. But I found a clerk that worked there, and he said, yes, the Lieber Code, martial law, and how to do martial law for the Army is still in effect in the Army's plans in 2016 on every state. You're in martial law. It was a benevolent form of martial law. They did not hit us with sticks and do bad things to us, and they let us go around the world with the passport, and they did a lot of horrible things out there, but it was a benevolent form of martial law with us until recently. It has turned malevolent. And and the part that that uh, Eisenhower said about beware of the industrial-military complex. Well, we've added beware of the industrial-military, judicial, legislative, executive, Department of Defense. Uh, boy, it goes on and on. Nazis and uh, paperclip, and you know about that, I'm sure. Uh, Communism, uh, Black Lives Matter, and uh, every other one of those. And they blew up the Georgia Guidestones. They just wiped them out because they didn't want it in stone anymore. But that's how big the conspiracy has gotten. And we have to take back our state, Mm -hmm. our territory, or our commonwealth. Nobody can do it for you. We got to do Oregon. You got to do your state. It has to be done. It takes 21 days in the de jure. It takes 30 days in the de facto. Uh, an unanswered affidavit in uh, the de facto law form becomes fact in 30 days. So in 30 days in their own law form, You can file all the paperwork, have it done, and return your state lawfully, legitimately, not with a gun, but with a a red thumbprint and a red ink and a blue ink and 50 bucks and a a seal. Six men or women can do that job in 30 days, 15 hours of work. We've done it. We know. And... After doing it, get this, if we were wrong, what did they do to the Colorado Nine? What did they do to Schaefer Cox? What did, what did they do to, to all of them all over the place? If you screw this up, they will put you in jail. Look what the guys that tried to do in, in a lawful act in Washington, look what it got them. They're still in jail. If you make the slightest little mistake, 
they are ready to take you down. And we've been doing this four and a half years, right in their Charlie marched in. I'll tear up <laughs> by herself. Tell them. The federal <laughs> building. <laughs> so, I mean, I, was- I understand. I understand. You know, I understand where you're coming from. But let what I need. What I need to get from you is I need to have a practical connection for everyone to understand. We've discussed a lot of things that I know many, many of my my listeners agree, agree 100% with the things that you're saying. In terms of what's going wrong, I don't think you're going to have one voice of opposition uh, from any of the people who listen routinely to Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum uh, on the radio or read my pages on the website. I think... There are there are obviously millions of people who understand that things are way off the rails. I mean, there's no question about that. And there's no question really uh, about who was pushing it, why they're pushing it, what they're doing, and what their goal is. So we're in agreement on all that. But my question to you is, is really very important. You have gone through a series of steps, okay? You've outlined them. I mean, I got them directly from your website. Everything that you have done, okay? What does that mean? How does that correct anything? That's what I need to know. Charlie White has raised her hand. You're (laughs) going to tell us. We have uh, been in a position. We found ourselves because we've gone step by step. We never know what's coming around the corner. We just keep doing what we've been doing and what we're describing here and what you've seen us do on the website. What we're finding at this point, this juncture, is that there are people coming to us that we are able to assist in dealing with the de facto and the violations that have happened to them. And we've been able to stop some of the um, decisions that have been made or we've slowed some of the uh, due process violations that have happened to them. Uh, by virtue of, and and people have also um, resigned from office. They have left, basically. Uh, One of uh, the people that we've worked with um, who was fired from her position because she refused to sign the paperwork to get permission for uh, not wearing a mask or, you know, declaring a religious exemption or medical exemption. She even agreed to wear a mask, but they let her go no compensation, and she has yet to have an actual hearing from the FDAB, the Fair Dismissal Appeals Board, and that is because we have interjected ourselves into that, and we have called them all over and over with tranches of information from one of our members who is a medical doctor who has been also himself personally violated by the Oregon Medical Board. So um, this is one example. We have also inserted uh, these tranches to the Oregon Health Authority, and an interim director uh, was placed there by uh, the new governor, and he left shortly after we issued letters and tranches of information. He resigned. He wasn't even there for two months, and now there's a new interim director, and we've done the same thing there. We'll see how long he lasts. Uh, Martha... Walters was the Oregon Supreme Court judge. We have been dealing with her 
and sending her all kinds of information, including wanting to get an apostille from her and from the uh, Secretary of State. Secretary of State Shemaya Fagan has now left her office just this week. Martha Walters uh, retired uh, selectively, electively, last December. There are a lot of things that are happening that we are involving ourselves in where we are seeing that there are some results, some effect going on. Yeah. And that concludes another episode of Dr. Dan's Freedom Forum. Join the battle on our website, www.drdansfreedomforum.com. The right to own private property that cannot be arbitrarily confiscated by the government is the moral right and constitutional basis for individual freedom. Everything gonna be all right this morning. (laughs) 